All right, and uh, that was Evan Owens' uh, theme song right there. You mean? Nah, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it so early in the podcast. Just in case somebody, if, well, actually, if you're a marketer listening to this podcast, you must know already that that was the brand new Universal Champion of the WWE, Kevin Owens. Yeah, uh, quite a week uh, this week on uh, Raw, SmackDown, Cruiserweight Classic, and NXT. A lot, a lot of good stuff going on. And uh, this is episode seven of the Fucking Marks podcast. I'm Ja Rule, and I am Bobby the Brainless. Uh, so let's get straight to this. This last week's Raw was freaking awesome. I wish SummerSlam would have been like one-tenth of the show that this was. They got it right. This was the best Raw that they've had, in my opinion, since... And I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash for this comment, but this Raw was the best Raw they've had since the Raw after WrestleMania. Just with the, a lot of the debuts that, of the guys that got called up. You know, like the Enzos and Big Casses and that uh, Baron Corbin guy and a couple other people who debuted the Raw after WrestleMania, which typically happens every single year, that the Raw after WrestleMania is when, well, we're just going to bring in the new guys because it's a new season and, you know, the Super Bowl's over, so it's time for other people to get opportunities. And I, I think it was good. Nay, this Raw was great because of the fact that they did something right. Well, honestly, this is the first time in a while. Basically, they did the whole show right. That first thing at the beginning where they had the four people who were in the fatal, the four-way elimination match, you know, to determine the universal heavyweight champion, like, you know, it was like 15 minutes. It wasn't this 25-minute long thing. It was funny, uh, but it also told the story, and I didn't feel like my time was wasted. It, it was terrific. And I think it was good because it gave somebody like Big Cass an opportunity to show what he can actually do on the microphone going up against some of the better guys on the mic in the company. And on his own. And on his own. He didn't have his uh, talking little chihuahua that he usually brings with him to the ring that, you know, just yaps and yaps and yaps. I mean, I, I love Enzo Amore. He's He's fantastic. But it's, I mean, Chris Jericho, who is the greatest of all time, referred to him as a... Uh, as a little talking dog, hey big cats, hey big cats, hey big cats. We're, you're seven feet tall, and you can't teach that. You know, it's just, it's that type of a thing. And it was good because you know big cats did very well. Didn't get overexposed. They actually left it for like where Roman Reigns was used very minimally on the on the microphone because obviously his mic skills are not his strong point. Well, I think. That's one thing with Roman. I think if they let Roman be Roman, he'd be fine, but they try to script him, and he's one of those guys that you could tell he's like trying to remember lines and just comes off forced and stupid. Uh, Roman, the silent uh, destroyer, I prefer him much better over Roman, the guy who tries to be uh, the new era John Cena. Let him be Roman Reigns. Yeah, I agree with that. And they already have, and it's funny because they already have a silent destroyer on Monday Night Raw, and he actually was part of Raw this week. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Right now, we're uh, we're definitely discussing the Fatal Four Way elimination. Well, for I the mean, Universal that, title, the, at least the the that beginning was, that was the the big thing. Like, I mean, they started the show with this, they ended the show with it, and I thought they knocked both halves out of it out of the out of the park. The promo at the beginning really 
for once did set the hook where you're like, oh, all right, I want to see this. This is going to be uh, interesting. And then the match at the end freaking delivered in spades, especially with the surprise return of Triple H. I think it's also good because the fact that you had Seth Rollins and you had Roman Reigns, and I'm sure a lot of people thought that one of those two were going to walk out of that triple threat elimination match for the universal title. Four-way. But, yeah. What did I say, triple threat? Yeah. Uh, well. Four-way. Come on. Come on. Big Cass was Bobby there, the, too. Hey, hey, Bobby the Brainless might have had one too many shots last night of Fireball, and he's still kind of recovering from it. All right. Pick it up. Pick it up. Come on. Ah, I got this. All right. So uh, Triple H makes his surprise return, and, you know, he went after Roman Reigns, so everybody's expecting him to kind of screw over uh, everybody and have Rollins win, and then they pulled the swerve on us. I got to admit there, Jay, that I knew he was going to screw over Roman Reigns because, hell, if I was Triple H, I'd screw over Roman Reigns. Even if there wasn't a title on the line, I would just screw over Roman Reigns because I just don't like Roman Reigns personally. Now, I'm wondering, uh, uh, before Roman Reigns goes to the ring, do you think Triple H spits the water in his hair? <laughs> That'd be kind of gross if he did, so I'm hoping that's not the case. Because, I mean, look at how wet his hair is when he comes out. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm I'm trying to formulate how it happens. If he just goes into a shower. Does the Triple ice H. bucket challenge. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, back to the point. Triple H pulling the swerve. I, I really didn't see it coming. There was, like, a part of me that was like, is he really going to screw over Rollins? Are they going to finally do the Rollins face turn? Or at least get the wheels in motion for a Rollins face turn tonight? Or is it just going to be like, you know, same old shit with the WWE? Oh, well, you know, Triple H is out there to help his boy Seth Rollins win the title. And when he pedigreed Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens got the win, I, you know, I there's been a few times in my life where I really marked out. I marked out so bad on Monday when Kevin Owens won the title. I'm extremely happy for him that he won the title. He's one of my favorite guys. I've been saying it throughout this podcast that we've been doing, that Kevin Owens is just one of those guys. He's very talented, very good in-ring performer, very good on the microphone, well-deserving of being one of the main champions in the WWE, even if it was the way that it happened. You know, I'm not completely... Hey, you know what? Sometimes that... Sometimes these injuries create opportunities, and... Uh, it sucks that Finn Balor got hurt, but you know what? Kevin Owens has been busting his butt between the indies and even in WWE now for a couple of years. Like, dude deserves a chance to run with this. Oh, and he's going to do very well as champion. I think he's going to be one of those fighting champions. Obviously, I'd like to see a little bit of a, the chicken shit heel come out of him where he's like, you know, he runs away or like he he hits somebody with a chair to lose by disqualification but keep the title, you know, because he's really been handling the role as, like, the genuine heel on in the WWE since he got called up. He's he's not that guy where, you know, he can sit there and just bash everything about somebody and the fans are still going to cheer him. He's the guy that does everything in his power, kind of like what Chris Jericho is doing on this run in the WWE yeah. where he's just like, oh, I, I don't care what the fans think of me. You know, you guys can kiss my ass. I'm the universal champion. You could tell me I deserve it, but you know what? I don't need you telling me that I deserve it. Well, Owens is a prize fighter, and, you know, his story, even from starting in NXT, was, uh, you know, when he attacked his best friend, Sami Zayn, you know, 
he talked about how it wasn't anything personal against Sammy. He needed to earn money for his family, and being the champion was going to be his way of, you know, making the life for his family better. So I thought it was cool, like, that he won. And then they ended up sharing that stuff, like the social media stuff, with his son getting all, like, excited about his dad winning. And I thought that was cool. That was awesome. And still feeds into the character without, you know making it seem like he's a sympathetic person. He's always talked about, like, I'm doing this for my family. That's it. Right. I I agree with you. I thought it was awesome that they actually showed the video of his son talking about him winning the Universal Championship. Kudos to Kevin Owens' wife for actually recording the video and putting it out there. I thought that was really awesome that she did something like that. Really good story. You know, I, I can't say enough good things about Kevin Owens. So, I mean, with him winning the title, hey, I'm happy for him. Well, and I think this will lead to a lot of interesting things. There are a lot of unanswered questions now. Uh, why did Triple H turn on Seth Rollins? Was he sick of Rollins taking his move? Was he sick of uh, him using the authority to, you know, further his own cause? Uh, it seemed like Stephanie was certainly still behind Rollins 100%. And, you know, was this both Stephanie and Triple H? Was this Triple H working on his own? There are a lot of unanswered questions that will be... I- I'm interested to see what happens on this Monday's Raw. I think just with her facial expression when it happened and Mick Foley's facial expression, that the two of them had no idea what was going on. Well, we know the McMahons are famous, famous for being pretty good actors. Remember uh, back in the day when we found out Mr. McMahon was, you know, the the one who is actually the head of the Ministry of Darkness who had his daughter abducted, and you would have never known with what they were doing on TV. So I, I still think there's a chance that Stephanie did know, and she's just playing the part of, Oh my God, where where did this come from? But we'll see. Yeah, it's gonna be like you said. It's gonna be very interesting to see how Raw turns out tomorrow. I'm I'm really curious to see how it is. I think this is less of you know Triple H giving the opportunity to Owens and more of it being Triple H is getting back at Seth Rollins for you know sucking up to the authority, using the authority to his advantage. Hell, we both could be wrong. This could be Triple H is like you know what. Maybe this is the guy that's the face of our company. Maybe Kevin Owens could be the the face of the the place. He's the face of the place. How does it go? Well, the face who runs the place is that's, on SmackDown now, though. But he could be the face that runs the place in, in Raw. Because so, you, need, you need a face for both shows. Oh, obviously. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what Triple H comes and says, I think, unfortunately, I think we're in for a 25-minute Triple H promo to start Raw, and uh, hopefully uh, that's not the case. Otherwise, I might be to sleep at 8.15. Now, I, I won't have a problem with it. I mean, I'm going to have a problem with it if it's 25 minutes long, but if it's like 20 minutes long and they come out and they celebrate Kevin Owens and then Seth Rollins comes out and talks about it and then and then uh, Wet Hair comes out and, and is like, nobody cares about you, Roman Reigns. I think if they do a lot of people in the opening segment, if it's not too boring and it's just like, okay, we're just going to stretch as much as we can in 20 minutes. Cause at some it point, just needs to lead somewhere, and right. it can't be too long. That's why I like 
I shouldn't say like why I loved the beginning of Raw this past week. You had four guys in the ring. They all knew their part. It was it was funny and it told a story and it moved it forward and it did it quickly without you know getting boring and pissing me off. I agree. It, it was tremendous. So uh, interested to see where they go. Hope that they don't go too far with this. And I think this is the perfect opportunity. Because I know at some point we're going to have to move on from what happened with the Universal title and the Fatal 4-Way and all sure. that stuff. I'm I'm doing this rather early in this podcast this week. Sure. Bobby the Brainless's mark out moment of the week. Kevin Owens winning the Universal Championship. Uh, and I'll have to pick some other moment because, like, really, to me, that is unanimous that, like, Mark out moment of the week that that was tremendous, but I'll find I'll find something else to mark out about. You know what? You're you're giving me a hard time over the fact that I I picked like such a game changing moment to be my mark out moment. I mean, you're giving me so much shit. I mean, never bet against a sure thing. And God damn it, I keep losing every single week in the mark out moment of the week you when we do our poll. You won, or, or no, you didn't win that one. You tied one. We, we tied that one. You know what, Jay? You're you're a horse racing fan, aren't you? I am. You know, back in, uh, I think it was 1973, there was a racehorse named Secretariat. Yep. I've heard of Secretariat. You know, they, the thing about Secretariat was they did the, ESPN did the top 100 athletes of the the 1900s, and Secretariat, a racehorse, was in that top 100, which was impressive in its own right. Even more impressive was Secretariat's performance in the Belmont Stakes, where the horse won by like a bajillion freaking lengths. Like, they showed him crossing the finish line, and the camera had to pan back like a mile just to see the other horses, just to see who came in second. Are you the type of person that, oh, well, you know, I know it's a surefire bet the Secretariat's going to win the Belmont Stakes, but, you know, I think I'm just going to go with something else because I just don't want to win this week. Well, it's not even that. I I don't want us to have the same pick. That's all. We've we've had the same pick before. Okay, if we could have the same pick, that's what about week two, was it though? About two, three weeks ago, we had the same pick. All right. Well, I mean, honestly, that was the best moment of the week. So, I mean, if you want, we could both pick something completely different. But I, I'm sorry, I marked out bad. Uh, oh, I did too. I, I jumped off the couch. I was running around. I was doing somersaults and cartwheels and. I was doing the Daniel Bryan, yes, chant and everything, and and your cartwheel was better than Bam Bam Bigelow's cartwheel. That's that's shenanigans right there. Don't ever ever compare my my cartwheel to Bam Bam Bigelow. It was better. No, Bam Bam's was always better than mine. I can't move like that big man can. All but right, yeah, we so, could definitely. But honestly, we could both have the same mark out moment of the week. There's nothing all right, wrong so with that. So that's the mark out moment of the week. We, we won't even have a poll because. You, you, it's just one thing. You know what the best part about us agreeing upon the markout moment of the week? You're not going to lose. You're not going to win. <laughs> That's more You're important. You're not going to lose. I don't care about losing as long as you don't win. Right. I'm a Red Sox fan. You know, it's not mm-hmm. about me losing. It's about you winning. I don't care if I lose as long as you don't win. Right. 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 Am I right? Right. Right. Uh, so another thing that happened uh, this week on Raw, uh, they had the second match in the series of seven with uh, Cesaro and Sheamus, which uh, Cesaro took one of the sickest bumps I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, not to the level of Jeff Hardy jumping off of like, you know, 50 foot ladders and crazy things like that. But if you're talking like wrestling on the ground, you know, kind of, you know, 
mat-based style. He took a back body drop into the ring post, which I I don't. You can't teach that. No, you can't. And that's something I'm sure that during the run run throughs for the match, you don't sit there and go, "Hey, let's see how this spot'll work." Right. It's a one-shot deal, and, and like as far as like that, they freaking nailed it because it looked incredible, and it probably sucked at the same time for Cesaro. Uh, he sold it like crazy, and even on social media talking about how messed up his back is. He's down two to nothing, and you know more or less he has to win four out of the next five matches to defeat Sheamus. I was actually the most surprised about how that second match in the best of seven series went is that Sheamus actually won the second match. I figured that straight Cesaro, up. Yeah. And it was a straight up victory. I mean, it was clean. I mean, yeah. I mean, Cesaro took the bump and everything, but you know, I just was surprised. I was like, wow. I'm like, I figured Cesaro would have taken the second match at least. Uh, I'm wondering if they're going to do the whole, uh, Red Sox Yankees thing here where we get Sheamus winning the first three and then Cesaro comes roaring back and wins the next four. If, if they're going to do that, can they at least put, like, a David Ortiz jersey on Cesaro before he does it? Or are they just going to troll on us and, you know, like, have Sheamus win the first three matches, then Cesaro comes back and wins the next three matches, and then Sheamus does what the Yankees couldn't do in 04 and actually wins the seventh match of that series? Uh, well, well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, two good matches so far from that, and, uh, you know, kind of surprised that, you know, Sheamus is up two to nothing, but... Uh, not disappointed, though. No, we'll see where it goes. Honestly, the only thing I think I would be disappointed in with this uh, series of seven matches is if Sheamus goes over, because it's supposed to be the new era. I know that Cesaro's not necessarily a really new guy, but he is kind of more of the new breed, the guys who haven't been there very long. So I think in the end it should be him that goes and wins this thing. But, I agree. I I honestly agree with you on that. I But to me, I'm not going to be as disappointed if Sheamus actually wins this thing just because I love Sheamus. I enjoy his style, and I think I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, I would love for the seventh match, if it gets the seven, for it to be similar to uh, a match that Finley and... Uh, uh, William Regal. William Regal, who at the time was named Stephen Regal, uh, in WCW, they had this like parking lot brawl where they had a bunch of old cars and they were beating the crap out of each other and... I would love for something like that to be the final match. Or maybe they, uh, you know, go to, like, Dublin, and they have a legit, like, street fight-looking thing. You know, they could do something like that. They could have, like, a Punjabi prison match. They can have a steel cage match, Hell in a Cell. They could uh, have TLC, a, I think, is coming you know, up they could have soon. A, they could have a beer-drinking contest, all I care. That, that. That I would say Sheamus is a lock for, though. I don't know. I don't know. You you just don't know what the uh, the Swiss. Yeah, that's true. He is the Swiss Superman, not to be confused with the Cena Superman and what have you. Uh, so outside of that, like there were a couple other notable things on Raw. I I thought New Day with Bailey was absolutely phenomenal. They were hilarious together in the like backstage segment, and then when they were in the ring and had their match together, and they went against uh, Gallows and Anderson with uh, Dana Brooke. I like it was gold. I'd like to add something to that. I thought that this was the best that we've seen of Dana Brooke since she's been on the active roster. 
I was rather entertained with her, her being Nurse Dana Brooke with Dr. Gallows and Dr. Anderson. It was fantastic. She really knocked that, that part right out of the park. I was very impressed with her. I, and to me, the Much better that, than her stuff with Charlotte, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I think that it's it's time for them to cut ties with Charlotte and Dana Brooke. And she team. should be kind of like the valet for, for Gallows and, and Anderson. And yeah, I, I think that would be great. I think it would be a, a good move for her. I just think that the whole Charlotte thing is kind of played out. She's never going to go anywhere if she keeps you know, following Charlotte around, making sure Charlotte's the champion. The girl is talented. If she wasn't talented, she wouldn't be on the main roster. Obviously, there's other people on the main roster that aren't talented that are there, but we're not going to get into that right now. But I, I was rather impressed with her on Raw. She really It was a lot me. of fun, and the, the match was fun. It was good. Uh, the person that needed to go over did go over. Ba- Bailey gave the Bailey to Belly suplex to Dana and got the pin. Uh, personally, uh, since Bailey, you know, she says she's a hugger, I get that the... You know, Bailey to Belly is kind of like a hug, and then you slam somebody to the ground. But I think Bailey should incorporate the bear hug into her move set. She's a hugger. Prove it. Fair enough. I can I could definitely see something like that being added to her move set. Wouldn't be surprised if that something like that happened. Speaking of Anderson and Gallows, I read somewhere online that Vince McMahon had no idea that Luke Gallows was Festus. I don't know if that's it's true. That I, can't I do, be true. I, I, I find it hard to believe. I really do. Like I said, it was probably just a rumor somewhere, probably somebody who's trying to get like a cheap reaction off of people online or something like that. A troll. I, I really find it hard to believe, unless Vince McMahon is starting to suffer from dementia. He might be. But... That there, There's no way that you didn't know that uh, Luke Gallows was Festus. I mean, I know he looks completely different than he did when he was Festus. Yeah. But I, I just, of anybody, Vince McMahon, he, he knows who, who, that, who his workers are. That would be like if if they had a, a report online that Vince McMahon didn't know that Kevin Nash was Oz, or, or he didn't know that Kevin Nash was Diesel, or Vinny Vegas, or whatever. One of the five thousand faces of. Kevin Nash. So, good stuff. Uh, really entertaining. I like. I like. I would like to bring up one more thing that happened on Raw. Um, my boy Braun Strowman did wrestle again. Americo. He he fought against uh, Mister America's son. Americo beat the living snot out of him, then ripped the mask off of him. I thought it was fantastic. I, I've I've been a big supporter of Braun Strowman. Getting his chances, I think I I love the squash matches. Kind of brings me back to my childhood, the late '80s, early '90s when they had the squash matches. I hope they keep doing this. I I don't even care if Braun Strowman doesn't get any kind of a push. If you go out there, he goes out there and has those two minute squash matches every week, and they do something stupid with the guy who's fighting Braun Strowman every week. I'm I'm generally entertained by that. I I find it very interesting. They want to, and I mean, obviously, like in a few weeks, they're probably going to have him go up against two freaking jobbers from. You know, whatever whatever area. I, I'd well, love to see him go up against two schmoes from that are local competitors. You, I know that you and I have been have been you know talking about on social media getting the man scout to go up against well, Braun Strowman. And, I, I'm almost wondering with, with you know it being a national holiday uh, tomorrow, Labor Day. Maybe you get the man scout. 
you know. If if the Man Scout fights Braun Strowman tomorrow, I'm I'm etching it in stone right now. That's my mark out moment of next week's podcast. Uh and you know, this is a couple months down the line. If it doesn't happen next week, if they still have this uh going where he's uh squashing local jobbers, uh I would be very interested to see the Man Scout uh maybe Veterans Day. Hey, I, hell, I'm at the point right now where if they're going to offer somebody $5,000 to get in the ring with Braun Strowman, I'd be willing to get in the ring with him. I could cut a stupid promo for 26 seconds and then get freaking Gronk spiked into the mat. I would do it for five grand. All right. Well, we'll book it. They probably won't book it, but we'll book it. Vince McMahon's probably like, this kid's an idiot or something. Uh, so, yeah, Brainless. Braun Strowman... What I kind of see going forward with Braun Strowman, I, I I think slowly but surely they're going to start feeding him guys that you're actually familiar with. I think we'll see him go against like a Jinder Mahal or depending on where Heath Slater ends up. If Heath Slater ends up on Raw, he'll be running into Braun Strowman at some point. I think guys like that. Curtis will, Axel. Yeah. You know. It, Bo it, Leave, Bo Dallas. Well, he may be the first person we know that Braun Strowman goes against because uh, Bo Dallas uh, was a bad boy this week and may get punished for uh, his transgressions. Look, I have no problems with people drinking in public or drinking on an airplane, but you can't act like an asshole and get thrown off a plane and then get arrested because that's just, that's just dumb. That's just terrible. It's stupid. He's a stupid idiot. Uh, so, you know, I think that pretty much covers Raw. Great show. Uh, I wish SummerSlam was half as entertaining as that, or as said before, one-tenth as entertaining as this show was. It moved storylines forward, created some intrigue, and was entertaining as all hell. Um, so then, you know, we move along to uh, SmackDown. SmackDown, I thought, was, you know, it was a pretty good show this week. And uh, coming hot on the heels of uh, last week when you had The Miz going absolutely ballistic on uh, Daniel Bryan, which was my markout moment of last week, which won our poll again. Uh, okay, Goldberg. So they came out. The first thing that happened on SmackDown was Miz just storming to the ring, didn't even wait for his music to start, told them to cut his music, and was, you know, in complete badass mode. Uh, cut a really good promo, got interrupted by Dolph Ziggler, and then... Your boy, Dolph Ziggler. My boy, Dolph Ziggler, who... Uh, uh, I I wish they would give him a real opportunity with things, but you know what? He and Miz cut the together cut a pretty good promo uh i could see something happening uh coming up between the two of them uh but you know you got miz going from like badass rushing down to the ring needing to speak his piece to uh doing a great job of being a chicken shit heel by the end of this promo you know he's made a career out of being a chicken shit heel i'm just putting that out there he has he he is he's like but I said, really I think he's really stepped it up a couple of notches now in the last couple of weeks. I think the Miz kind of had a fire lit under his ass, so to speak. You know, they're talking about bringing up these new guys, and you know, 
Nothing against the Miz. He's been there for a long time. He's been there for 10 years, like he said in his little rant last week. But the thing, he's not that old. I mean, I can understand, like, bringing in some of these newer guys and, you know, they're talking about AJ Styles being the face that runs this place now. You know, AJ, AJ Styles is, like, four years older than the Miz. You well, know, Carl Anderson's older than the Miz. You know, I, I mean, Kevin Owens is, like, a couple years younger than the Miz. It's... You know, it's not like these guys are all like young and they're like in the in their prime. I mean, well, Kevin Owens is kind of in his well, prime it, right I now. Well, I mean, but. it's you know, faces that are new to a lot of WWE fans because as much as you know, there are a lot of forums for people to see wrestling from around the world or be familiar with the different faces from around the world. The platform is not the same as WWE. When you get the WWE TV. It's just a different thing, and I think having, you know, guys like AJ and Owens, who people like us have known about for years, is different than, you know, the kind of person who does nothing but watch WWE, which would probably be more like kids, teenagers things like that who may not know everybody around so yeah age-wise they're the same but if you're talking wwe age-wise it's a little different i just i just think that you know i think it's good for the miz i really do i think that he really needed that fire lint under his ass to get him out there to prove like hey you know i know this is about the new era and everything but i could still be part of the new era i could be the guy that's in you know in the, the never-ending title reign. The never-ending title reign is Intercontinental Champion. He said he wants to make that title the most relevant title in the whole company. And why not? He he has the potential to do it. He's won it five times. He's four he's four title reigns away from tying Chris Jericho for most times as Intercontinental Champion. And people talk about Chris Jericho being the greatest of all time. Well, and that's just not Intercontinental Champion. That's just... Well, that's because he is the GOAT. Well, and, you know, one thing I thought, one way I thought they were going to go possibly with this promo between Dolph and Miz, which they didn't, I think uh, there are a lot of parallels between Miz and Dolph as far as, like, their careers go. You know, Miz was talking in the promo about, you know, there are so many guys who claim they don't get their opportunity, and when they get their opportunity, they don't seize it, and, you know, when Dolph came out, I'm like, going, oh, he's going to just jump on the fact that, you know, Dolph never seizes the opportunity. He gets these opportunities and kind of gets washed away and, you know. But basically with Dolph, you know, he and Miz have been with the company for about the same amount of time. Uh, they both, I would say, scratched achieved. And, scratched and clawed their way to the top. And they've achieved similar success. Dolph yeah. has had several intercontinental title reigns. Uh, I think a couple of U.S. title reigns. They both have. And uh, world heavyweight champion a couple of times. I think Dolph Ziggler was also tag team champion. Uh, so, I mean, very similar careers. I was surprised that this was not brought up in the promo that they had. I don't know if they were purposely just trying to avoid that or if that was just supposed to be an undercurrent of what they were talking about. I thought one thing that was brought up in the promo was how The Miz was talking about how he main evented WrestleMania. You think that was kind of like a, like a slight dig at CM Punk? The fact that The Miz kind of had like his quote-unquote 
you know, uh, WrestleMania bomb, moment. Uh, What's the word on the phrase I'm thinking of? Did he pipe, pipe bomb? bomb? The pipe bomb. I'm sorry. He had a pipe bomb moment last week on SmackDown, and maybe he took that, like, being in the main event at WrestleMania, something that CM Punk always wanted to do, never had the chance to do, and it was one of the main reasons why he left the company. That You think maybe The Miz saying that might have been, like, a slight jab at uh, CM Punk, considering CM Punk's going to be having his first career UFC fight next Saturday? Uh, You know what? I didn't think about that, but you know what? It, it's completely possible. That's one of those things that uh, WWE does a lot. They they they'll get a little petty about things like that. Where like they're like, "Hey, let's put this in. It's gonna be about punk. We won't say it's punk, but we're gonna imply." And you call yourself a Mark? Well, you and know, that's your middle name too, right? But you know. I, it certainly could have been a dig at Punk. I thought it was just more a dig at, uh, you know, other guys in general who hang around the company for a little while. Uh, honestly, it probably was more of a, a dig at a guy like Cody Rhodes, at least in my book, than it was a, a, a dig at, you, you know, a guy like Punk. Because Punk got tons of opportunity. I mean, and I think he took the ball and ran with it a lot. I th- again, I think it's more. Four hundred and thirty-four a... days as WWE champion is not something that you just accidentally have happen. Exactly. So I think it, it would be more of a dig at guys like Cody Rhodes or Ted DiBiase or folks like that who you thought big things were going to happen and they just didn't. Wade Barrett. Maybe. I think that was more down to John Cena burying them, but. John him Cena and, and them. His, and, his, and his golden shovel. Yes. I agree with that. So, you know, SmackDown started out with a bang with that promo. Um, they That was used to set up a future storyline, and, you know, you didn't really see them again in the show. Um, I'm fine with that. I, I'm. It doesn't overexpose the guys. It gets the storyline started and moving forward, and I'm looking forward to see uh, Ziggler and uh, Miz locking horns, so it should be good. I think it's going to be an entertaining match, and that match definitely has the possibility of stealing the show. I, Not to take anything away from what's going to be the WWE World title match, because I think AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose are going to have a fantastic match. Match of the night, probably. Or, or, or at least and, and no, we'll be on that level. And, and no pun intended since, you know, Dolph Ziggler's in the match, but that match has the possibility of stealing the show. Hey, you know, I I love Dolph. I, I really enjoy The Miz. I think he's kind of quietly become a much better overall performer. I would say, like, in the ring, he's prob- he's definitely better than he used to be. I wouldn't say that he's improved where, like, you you would compare him to an AJ Styles, but you know what? He puts on very solid matchups. And he doesn't get hurt. He doesn't get hurt. Uh, and honestly, at this point, to me, uh, yeah, he's a heel. Uh, I, I would kind of put him on the level of, like, uh, performance in the ring, performance on the mic of John Cena. Yes, he's not as over as John Cena, but I think... The way he, the way he works in the ring and the way he performs on the microphone, he's on the same level. He's just not 
the same star. How dare you disrespect Mike the Miz like that, saying that he's on the same level as an in-ring performer as John Cena. There's only one superstar that's on the level of John Cena as an in-ring performer, and we discussed that individual during our Raw portion of this podcast. Hulk Hogan? Roman Reigns. Who is better than everybody gives him credit for. But, but, you know... uh, I can't wait to see the match, and it'll it'll be interesting. And oh, I'm just gonna throw this in there. Yeah, Get David well. o- Otunga off a of commentary. He just sucks. He has a, a a bad announcing voice, and he sounds so disinterested in the product. I would take anybody over him. Put Booker T back. He's so much sucker? better. I mean, I get that this is, quote-unquote, the new era, and they're trying to put new people in, but Otunga sucks. He needs to work really hard on getting good at his job because he's terrible right now. Bring back the coffee mug, bring back his sweater vests, and, you know, maybe maybe he got something. But overall, he's just freaking terrible. He takes the, the show down. I've been trying to be one of those guys that's trying to support David Otunga and say just give it time. I I think that the leash needs to get you know a little bit shorter. I I'm just I want to keep giving him the benefit of the doubt. I really do, but I can't. He's supposed to be color commentary and supposed to be adding little things in. He's too damn analytical. It's like no, just say something that's not like a robot. Seem like you're interested in the damn product. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm really starting to be one of those guys that He's just fucking can't, terrible. I can't support David Otunga anymore. But there, I mean, I highly doubt the WWE listens to this podcast, so I don't think they're going to be like, oh well. These of two course, fucking, they listen to the podcast. These, they're one of the seven. You know, Keep hey, they listen. You know these fucking marks think they know what they're talking about. David Otunga staying. Okay. So uh, one of the big things that they have going on now on SmackDown is they are getting ready to crown the, their tag team champions. Those beautiful blue titles, by the way. I love them. I think they look much better than the pennies that they have on uh, they Raw. They look like nickels. No, these are dimes. Dimes, nickels, whatever. So, uh, you know, they have a eight teams set up for a tournament to crown the champions, and... You know, they had the Hype Bros come out against the Vaude Villains this week. You know, uh, kind of nothing match. It, it was fine. Uh, and the team that should have won did win the Hype Bros. Woo, woo, woo. You know it. And, you know, I like the chemistry that the, the two guys have together. Uh, Zack Ryder and Mojo Rawley, like, you know, they seem like they're like water and oil, but for whatever reason, it works. I think it's a fantastic tag team because you got the the young up and coming star in Mojo Rawley, who I think has a chance to be a good, maybe not great, but he has a chance of being a good superstar and having a solid singles career. I'm not saying he's going to be the Rock or Steve Austin level, but I mean he could be at a level of like the Miz or Dolph Ziggler or even uh, Wade Barrett when he was there where he wins like a few Intercontinental titles, maybe gets a couple of opportunities to win some big championships in the company. He looks the part. And then you bring in the, the veteran, I can't believe I'm saying this, the veteran leadership of Zack Ryder, who has been there 
well, for I quite mean, a bit of time. He's the longest reigning internet champion. You can't teach that. Uh, but you know, match was fine. Uh, I do like their ending move. Uh, uh, what do they call it? The hype rider or whatever? Something like that. Uh, it, it's cool looking. One thing I have to say though, if I was Mojo Rawley's tag team partner, I would tell him to cool it with the tags because, like, you hear the smack that like Zack Ryder took from Mojo Rawley like right before they ended the match. It sounded like it sucked. Like, his hand probably was red and probably hurt for a couple of days after that. Mojo Raleigh, lay off the coffee, lay off the Coke, take it down a notch. Have one less Monster Energy drink before every match. Honestly, he's kind of like a, a new era version of the Ultimate Warrior yep. without the... The long hair and the tassels around his ankles. But... Yeah, he, he he's kind of like that because he does do the thing where he sprints down to the ring, and uh, I'm just glad with the hype rose int- entrance it, that it's not the epileptic seizure of uh, what happens when uh, Mojo was like single competitor in uh, NXT. I was thinking more of lines of uh, Naomi's entrance now. Hey, I like Naomi's entrance now. I feel like I should be on shrooms when she comes out to the ring. It, it I. You know what? It takes her presentation up like 20 kajillion notches. It's so different, so unique. You don't see anybody else with an entrance like that. It, if nothing else, it makes her stand out. She's always been like very athletic and, you know, solid in the ring. Uh, she's got a, a, a big booty and uses it all the time. And... She uses it in her entrance, and, you know, I'm not going to complain about that. Uh, I I like her new entrance. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, if you compared her entrance to everybody else that they had in the tag match on uh, SmackDown, it was, uh, my brain's uh, failing on me now. It was, uh, was it Alexa Bliss and Natty against... Uh, Naomi and Becky Lynch, I think. You sure your brain's really starting to give you a hard time? Because you actually nailed everybody out of the park right there. All right. So, and, and first of all, I just would like to bring this up. That's Bobby the Brainless's future ex-wife, Alexa Bliss. I thought Becky Lynch was your future ex-wife. She's she's one of them. So, you know, if you look at all these ladies' entrances, which one do you remember? Becky Lynch. Cause she kind of has weird. that no, because she kind of has that smoke, and she's wearing the goggles, and she comes out like she thinks she's an airplane. I mean, it's just hers does kind of. St- I mean, it doesn't stick out to the level of Naomi's, but compared to the other ladies in the women's division, hers does kind of stick out because she's got the smoke at the beginning, and she wears the the Mad Hatter hat, and she's got the goggles, and she comes out and does her her thing with her arms where she looks like an airplane. See, when I see Becky Lynch, I just think that there's just been a nuclear blast. She's got the blast goggles on and her hair's been dyed orange because all the radiation that just happened. See, when I see Becky Lynch come out, I keep thinking that is this what it's going to look like when she comes running into my room? No, you know what? That's how she's coming out to your uh wedding. Hey, hey I'll take that. Boom. But I don't know how Alexa Bliss is going to feel like that, because it's going to be our wedding, her and I. Well, hey, you, you know what? It, it's it's a new era. 
you could get married to multiple women. It's a new era, or is it a new day? It's it's all of that. Don't you dare be sour. So, you, you know, they had this uh, tag team match between the the four ladies, and, you know, they had Nikki Bella on commentary, and they kind of had a, a thing going with uh, Nikki Bella and Carmella, and it kind of, you know, started on SmackDown uh, Live last week, and then it continued into uh, Smack Talk, and then continued during this match, and they're, you know, they're putting the story forward, setting up the six-pack challenge to name the women's champion for SmackDown. So I, I get everything they're doing here. I think this match moved that story forward, and I, I'm looking forward to the ride. I honestly, I mean, if you put a gun to my head, I'm saying Becky Lynch should win. I'm not, but I wouldn't put it again. I wouldn't say that they wouldn't put it on Nikki Bella or wouldn't put it on Carmella, but we'll see. I would like to bring up something about the whole Nikki Bella and Carmella thing. I know a lot of people online have been kind of giving Carmella heat because of the fact that she's been attacking Nikki Bella, and it's like, you know what? It's something different. Let Carmella have a turn as a heel. If she's talented enough, she's going to make it work. I don't like the fact that people are like, well, Carmella shouldn't be a, a bad girl. She should be... A face, you know, she should be loved. And it's like, you know, that's not how it works in the WWE. You need to have just as many faces as you need heels. And that goes for the women's division, that goes for the tag team division. That's going to lead on to my point later on after this that I bring up. But I think that it's excellent. You know, Carmelo's doing an awesome job doing this thing where she's kind of beating up John Cena's girlfriend. So I, I enjoy it. I know that, you know, she's trying to be the heel where her seven-foot-tall boyfriend on Raw... Is uh, is a face, but hey, I think it's gonna work. So uh, you know they did that to move the 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 women's storyline forward. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting though is uh, they uh, had Apollo Cruz and AJ Styles. They had a match. They had a kind of funny segment backstage. You know, you got AJ Styles wearing the uh, John Cena armband as his headband, and he, you know. Just walking around, cocky heel, face that runs the place, and just, I freaking love this AJ Styles. Like, when you saw him uh, when he was in Fortune in TNA, they were trying to do a kind of similar persona, but not altogether the same. But honestly, I don't think AJ at the time uh, really had enough in his repertoire, like, as a character to really, like, make that character sing. Now I, I think he has the experience, and, like, as much as I would have loved to see him in WWE years ago, oh, me too. honestly, I think the timing for him right now is kind of perfect. I know the dude is, you know, about to be 40 years old, but you know what? He is so over the fact that they had him go over John Cena and the fact that there are so many, you know, they always talk about people getting over. It's like, you know, we talked a little bit before about getting over in WWE is different than having WWE uh, or, or 
being over around the rest of the world. AJ Styles, I think, had built up enough of a name for himself that he probably had a higher profile than, you know, some of these other guys, like, than a guy like Nakamura, who literally has spent his whole year in Japan, or his whole career in Japan, where AJ Styles really has made a name for himself, whether it's been Ring of Honor, whether it's been TNA, he's kind of, you know, done the dance around the United States. He's done the dance in Japan and other parts of the world where he's built his name up. When he came in, it wasn't exactly the same. And the fact that in less than a year, his credibility in WWE, I mean, even on his first night, I mean, the crowd was super into him. Literally, like, last night, rewatched uh, Royal Rumble to 2016, and the crowd was just nuts for AJ Styles that first night. They have continued to be behind him. And even as a heel now, you hear them nothing but chanting his name. He could, you know, probably kick a puppy and the crowd will still cheer for him. Your wife wouldn't cheer for him, but everybody else would. Yeah. I mean, that's just like the level that he's at right now. He He's done so much to get goodwill throughout his career, and but AJ walking around being all cocky and, you know, seeing Apollo Crews and having the spelling bee or whatever they had. And uh, for a one-night thing, I think it was good for Cruz to get into the ring with a guy like AJ who is really high up on uh, WWE's priority list. Uh, I think going to be champion as of next weekend. And I think it's uh, it, it was good to put Cruz in the ring with him. I, I agree with it just because you give that young kid an opportunity to go up against somebody as established, even though it wasn't in the WWE, but regardless, established as an in-ring competitor, as AJ Styles, gives him the chance, gives him some exposure. Obviously, they don't have anything else for Apollo Crews right now. You know, maybe he could just enter into the spelling bee and just win that instead, because I think that's more likely of a chance of happening than him winning the WWE world title. Well, I mean, it seemed like they were pointing in the direction of at least somewhat soon, maybe Apollo Crews was going to be the Intercontinental Champion. I think with what's happened with The Miz in the last couple of weeks, I it seems like, you know what, The Miz might get a long run with the title. and I Hockey think talk range? Maybe. You know, it seems like uh, one of the things WWE has been doing lately is... They've been giving guys longer reigns with the different titles, and I think that's a good thing. You know, it establishes the title as something important, and when somebody loses it, it's a big thing. Where for a long time, I mean, during the Attitude Era, as much as I loved it, the fact that, like, you know, one week, uh, you know, you would get Mankind, Mick Foley, whichever persona he was, he would win the title Sunday night on the pay-per-view, and then Monday night he would lose the title to somebody else, and then he would win it back two weeks later. You know, stuff like that. It it was fun. It was interesting to watch, but, you know, you end up kind of... Watering down. You you water down the title if you do that too much. 
whereas if you keep longer title reigns, I think it helps establish the title and help helps establish the performer as long as you don't book the per the performer who has that title to be a loser. I mean, for so long with the Intercontinental title and the U.S. title, you would have the the guy who held the belt. They would always be in these non-title matches on Raw or SmackDown, and they'd lose. Yep. How do you get that title to seem important or significant when you have the title holder losing every week and you make them feel like, you know, they're just a guy. They shouldn't be just a guy. They're a freaking champion where Miz in the last couple of weeks has felt like a champion, and I think because of that, I'm almost thinking they called an audible here where Cruz was going to become champion, and they're like going, you know what? No, no, no. Let's stick with Miz. What we've got going with him is good. Oh, wait. Awesome. Thank you. And I think what you have going with him is good. I'm glad that it seems like they've called an audible, and hopefully, uh, you know, this doesn't ruin whatever Apollo has going for a run. But you know what? Apollo is really talented in the ring. He needs to work on his mic skills. I thought he actually, I wouldn't say held his own against AJ this week, but was didn't embarrass himself on the mic like Titus O'Neil did a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) But I, I I think uh, Apollo did fine for himself, and he hung in the ring with AJ and. It'll be good for both of these guys. You know, AJ needed to be put over strong going into his match against Dean, and Apollo did not need to look like a jobber. And I, they achieved both of those. Oh, they did a very good job at that. Uh, the, the match was above average, I'd give it. I mean, AJ Styles, you know, he's... He's almost incapable of having a bad match. Right, and I think he really did bring out the best of Apollo Cruz. And if anything, it's only going to make his stock go up a little bit more if he has good matches, even if he does end up losing these matches, you got to impress somehow, some way. And that's the best way for him to do it. So, uh, you know, other things that they had going with uh, SmackDown this week, uh, honestly, for for me, this was one of my favorite moments of the week. They, uh, I'm they, surprised it wasn't your markout moment of the week. The Kevin Owens moment was such a big moment, an awesome moment that I, I just... This this would probably be my runner-up right here. They went mine too to Heath Slater's home, his single-wide trailer. Uh, they didn't say where it was. I mean, they always say that he's from West Virginia, so his single-wide in West Virginia, which is only a state away from us, by the way, uh, with his wife Beulah, and she had a tremendous uh, cheese and cracker platter spread, and. The whole segment to me was uh, just... It was a slam dunk. It, it, it really was, because like, usually WWE with their comedy is just freaking stupid. This or was, stale. It, this was stupid in the best way, though, where... Can I, I mean... Can I just add something to the the whole segment? I thought Rhino really sold it very well. I mean, I liked... He said nothing. He said nothing, and he was the best part of the whole segment. 
And Heath Slater was awesome. Oh, Beulah was awesome. This is and the so best. is Renee. This is the best we've gotten from Heath Slater. I'm actually, I never liked Heath Slater. Never. I thought he was this, this total tool bag when he was in NXT. I thought it was a tool bag when he was the one-man band, baby. And the three-man band. And then band. the three-man band. That made even less sense because I'm not going to get into it. Right. But, you know, it just I there hasn't been a gimmick with him in it that I've actually liked. This gimmick works. And people are getting behind Heath Slater. I think it's great. I really do. I really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, hope that him and Rhino actually do the unthinkable and win the tag team titles. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I've seen crazier shit happen. Uh, and, and I don't know how they would make it happen. I mean, I, I think in the, the eight-man tag team tournament, I ha- and I know I... we're kind of skipping ahead because they did have a match this week. There are three teams that I think could win, and I think that uh, Rhino and Heath are definitely one of those teams that could win this uh, whole thing. And honestly, this vignette that they did with Heath in his trailer park home, uh, they didn't show the pool, which I think that would win Brock Lesnar over if they showed the pool. Uh, But... They had this vignette, and I think, to me, they need to have these guys win the tag team titles, but they need to, like, turn them from being, like, a comedy duo to, this is down the line, have them turn into more of being badasses. No. I like what they're doing. I don't want to change it. Why? Well, I, why? I, I, ju- it's I like just the, want the tag team titles to not feel like a joke. Hold on. No, it's not to make it feel like a joke. It's like the old adage. Why fix something that's not broken? If the two of them are working as a as kind of like a joke tag team that you know people are, are laughing at or whatever because they're making jokes and they're at Heath Slater's freaking trailer park with his trailer park wife and his trailer park Beautiful. kids and his trailer park swimming pool and... He's going to get a double wide, though, if uh, if they win. And, you know, I mean, Rhino doesn't even have to say anything, and it's great. And this is the best that Rhino's ever been, in my opinion, too. Now, uh, uh, that, do you do you almost feel like, uh, obviously, the chemistry's a little bit different, but, like, rock and stock connection where, like, they're a badass tag team, but... It's yeah. just working. I wouldn't consider... I mean, that's just a... Sp- I mean, you're, you're talking about comparing Heath Slater and Rhino to... First ballot one, Hall of Famers. One of the greatest wrestlers of all time and a guy who we are surprised didn't die in the ring at least six times in his wrestling career, but who's also in the Hall of Fame from Long Island, New York. Uh, who uh, has a nice-looking daughter with a show on WWE don't, Network. Don't, don't get me started on that, please. Holy foley. I, I, that's fine. You want to you want to put the cheap pop in there and the cheap uh, yes with the the Holy Foley and Mick Foley and his beautiful daughter Noel and her clown Dating Frank the clown. They're gonna Frank have clown, clown babies together. Jesus Christ. Anyway, let's get back on to the the point. Uh, they did have it, like you said, they did have a tag team match against the returning one of my all time favorite tag teams, the Headbangers. You know I. Overall, I thought the headbangers in the ring looked okay. Uh, I forget which one is which. But, uh, Mosh and Thrasher? Well, one of them looked like not much 
different than when you saw him in, last in the ring in WWE 16 years ago. The other one looked like he uh, has been working on his Buddha belly for the last 16 years. That looks that's that's probably Mosh. So I mean, they both look. Kind, I mean, like look wise, like the same facial expression, same facial paint. Same hairstyle, same attire. Well, yeah, they didn't well, have hair. I mean, yeah, I know they didn't have any hair. I know, I know, I know about the. Listen, I know about the headbangers. So I thought they looked all right in the ring. Uh, they, they, they didn't embarrass themselves. It was nice to see them back for the night. But I don't know if this was them or the crowd. But the crowd was kind of freaking dead. They didn't really react to them being back. I think it's because of the fact that you're trying to bring back a team like the Headbangers. Who really weren't like one of the more established tag teams. Obviously, they're going to have their. I mean, their they won the tag of, team championships, but they weren't. You know, they, they weren't, weren't like, like the Legion, New Age Outlaws or the Legion of Doom or the Nasty Boys. But I mean, they were they were a good tag team, not a great tag team. They're not one that's going to be like, oh my god, it's the Headbangers, like when Bubba Ray and Devon came back about a year ago. I, I just, I, to me, I was happy to see them back. I was happy to see them back. I almost think that this was kind of a tryout for them. To They wanted to see if the audience would react, if the audience reacted well, if they performed well. You know, we might see the Headbangers back. Kind of a similar role to what, you know, Devon and uh, Bubba Ray have been in the last year, uh, where, you know, they're teaching the newer teams and kind of helping put them over. Yeah. Uh, but those guys aren't to that level We'll see. Like I said, I thought they did fine in the ring, but they didn't get a great reaction. But in general on SmackDown, there wasn't a lot that got a great reaction. I think, if, Personally, I think it was the crowd. Just because, it, like you said, it wasn't the only match that didn't get any kind of a really good reaction from the fans. I I was happy to see them back. It was even, it was even better seeing uh, Thrasher taking the gore from a bloodied rhino, and they were victorious, and they're, you know... One step closer to Heath Slater getting a, a contract and then winning the tag and a team double titles. wide and a better and, up above ground pool. That I hope Brock Lesnar does help him install the pool, but we'll get in. You know that's, that's that would be a hell of a vignette. I would love to see him like have the pool get put together and he's like, "Here, Brock, what do you think of my pool?" And then Brock f fives him in the pool. That'd be awesome. Yeah, book it. So uh, that leads us to the main event of SmackDown, which they. You know, they didn't really build a story for this. It, it, it was just a match, and actually it was a pretty darn good match between uh, Baron Corbin and Dean Ambrose. Hold on a second there, fella. You forgot about one of the most important moments that actually happened on SmackDown this week. You forgot about the Milkman. The Milkman. WWE had, like, this local competitor or whatever the hell this guy was. He was dressed up in a suit and tie, calling himself the Milkman. He got all butt hurt because nobody was talking about giving him a contract, so he started stripping in the ring. He got, got all the way to his tidy got all the way down to his tidy whities, and then you know you heard the big bang and the freaking big red monster comes out and Kane choke slams him to hell, and that was pretty much the whole thing. But I mean, it's still, I mean, you can't miss, you can't forget stuff that happened on SmackDown. Well, I mean, because if like, we don't talk about it, it never happened. Well, that, like, came completely out of left field, and, like, storyline-wise, it seems like they're building to Kane and Baron Corbin at some point. That's the only reason I even brought that up, was because it did look like they were trying to build up for a Baron Corbin-Kane feud. Uh, you know, as much as... Uh, Baron Corbin I, gets to work with a first... I get that they're trying to, like, build towards a, a match, but, like... 
It it was so out of left field that I was kind of like, oh, what the frick is this? Is it any different than Braun Strowman going up against James Ellsworth? Yeah, but Braun Strowman going against James Ellsworth had a point. He needed to beat the crap out of him and look strong, where, like, Kane coming out to, you know, go and beat the hell out of the milkman, and, you know, no milk deliveries tomorrow. The milk's gone bad. I, I don't know. It, well, you know what? I could beat up James Ellsworth. He's a trash bagger. He is a trash bagger. Uh, but let's back it off topic. I'm sorry. Well, y- y- you know what? That actually jogged my memory. There, there was one other thing that happened on SmackDown that I thought was actually really good. Randy Orton and uh, our boy Bray Wyatt. Oh, my God. We forgot about Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. They actually had a really good segment. Oh, my God. We forgot about Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. And we call ourselves Marks. Oh, my God. I'm like, we're going to have to change the name of our of our podcast. I, I would even feel like, you know what? I'm sus- After this show, I'm going to suspend myself for six days. Okay. And then I'm going to get reinstated. Dye your hair black. I'm not going to dye my hair black. Come what, on. What do like a, Ava Marie. What kind of a stupid bitch actually dyes her hair black? Ooh, wait. Hold on. Sasha Banks did, too. I withdraw my last statement about people dyeing their hair black. So we we had uh, Randy Orton and we had Bray Wyatt and they are now going to have a match at Backlash. I can't wait! I'm so excited. And you know what? Both these got well. I would say that Bray is always really good as being a promo. Uh, Randy kind of like if he cares about something, you know, he's much better than when he doesn't care. Uh, Orton being you know fresh be. Uh, off of uh, the disabled list, uh, I think the fact of being away from the audience for as long as he was has kind of helped reestablish, you know what, I like doing what I do, and he actually seems like he's going full tilt into what he's doing right now, and I think right now his job is to, as a, what is he at this point, 12-time champion? Something like that. Sounds about right. Him being a 12-time world heavyweight champion, I mean, gives him a lot of clout. But I think at this point in his career, you know, his job is to use the fact that he is a 12-time champion to make the newer guys become more established. Bray Wyatt has lost so many of these damn feuds. He needs to win one. He needs to win this one. He should have won his last one. He needs to win this one. He should have won the one against John Cena back in the day, too, but we're not going to get I mean, he that. won against Jericho. He won against the Shield. But, like, overall, for the most part, he he loses every feud. Uh, he gets by and he gets over because his character's awesome, cuts good promos, and is unique. Do you think the voices in Randy's head are telling him to follow the buzzards? I would love for Bray Wyatt to beat Randy Orton and for Randy Orton to decide that he was going to follow Bray Wyatt. It would, not the same, but would remind me of the two-man power trip where you had Triple H and Stone Cold who did not need each other to be over. They were both, you know, main eventers as they were, but, you know, you got a guy like Randy Orton who does not need Bray Wyatt, but I just think it would be interesting in a change 
for a guy like Randy Orton to, you know, fall under the spell of a guy like Bray Wyatt. I don't see it happening, but I'm, I'm just throwing it out there as something that would be interesting. I'm going to politely disagree with you, sir. That's just in the fact that I just, I'm tired of people getting associated with Bray Wyatt. I would like to see him go out and do his own thing, not have a Luke Harper or an Aaron Ro- Eric Rowan or a Braun Strowman or a Daniel Bryan. I think he needs to do his own thing. I think Bray Wyatt needs to go out there and establish himself as a guy that people need to take seriously, a guy that's not going to need these goons in his corner having his back every time he gets into trouble. But he's a heel. I understand that, but, you know, sometimes you have to break away from your group and do your own thing. It worked for people like Michael Jackson. He broke away from the Jackson 5, had a solid career. You know, Shawn Michaels finally dropped a dead weight that was Marty Jannetty and had a pretty damn good singles run. You know, Bret Hart left the Hart Foundation. That, that went with the, back to them. Yeah, well, uh, it was well, different iteration. But. Okay, all right, fair enough. But, I mean, every once in a while, H. you just... Triple, fuck Triple H. But he, he, even so, no, he, but he yeah, broke he away had a, from DX. But he still needed his father-in-law and his wife to help him get to the top, because if he wasn't banging Stephanie, he would still be Jean-Paul Levesque of WCW and hey, not even... Hey, that's not fair. He, he main-evented in One World Heavyweight Championships before they were dating. Fuck him. And his golden shovel. He could take his golden shovel and his sledgehammer and shove them both up his ass. And that's not just a beer talking either. So, uh, you know, Sorry. they. Th- I thought uh, Orton bringing it back to, back to the show. Uh, Orton and, and Wyatt had a good promo. I thought uh, Wyatt was doing all right, uh, kind of holding his own. When Orton came out, it seemed to like bring it up a couple of notches where like Bray was doing okay but then Orton kind of like injected his Ortonness into the promo and again he seems like he cares about what's going on at this point and cares about this storyline and it's bringing it up a few notches so I I thought both of them really did well here and I think I'm definitely looking forward to their match at uh, Backlash. I think it's going to be a fantastic match. I mean, I don't think this match is going to be, you know, match of the night quality. Oh, it doesn't need I, to be. I, it just it just needs to be solid. S- solid set in these characters, and Bray Wyatt needs to freaking win. Agreed. Absolutely agree with you on that. So, uh... I'm looking forward to seeing what this match is. I don't know if this is going to be where, you know, this is going to be like a a thing where they end up having like three matches and one will win two out of three. Or I don't remember uh, which pay-per-view SmackDown has. I don't know if this is going to be one where, you know, it kind of slowly escalates where like Bray wins one then Randy wins one, and they end up having like a Hell in a Cell match or a TLC match. I I would have to, you know, go look at which pay-per-views SmackDown gets. That's true. Um, So now let's go back to the main event that we we kind of like talked about and then completely forgot about and then went to a different tangent. And then we did the hokey pokey and turned ourselves around. And 
Now we're back on Baron Corbin and D- uh, Dean Ambrose. You know, the crowd, for the most part, was dead the whole night. They were dead during probably the first half of this match, and I'm like, going, oh, this sucks for these two guys. But by the end of this match, the crowd was into it, and I thought they told a good story. And AJ like, Styles was also on broadcast, by the way. He, he was on broadcast and fed into the storyline of this match and fed into the overall storyline that, you know, they're going to continue to tell into the pay-per-view next Sunday. Yep. So I I thought the match was a, a big thumbs up. I thought both guys, like, really delivered. Corbin, I, I know that you're not the biggest fan of. I think that he could be a really, really good performer i don't i don't think he's gonna be like he's he's never gonna be like the rock on the microphone he's never going to be aj styles in the ring but he's i think he could be a solid you know upper mid card type dude you know maybe he'll win uh, a title or two uh world heavyweight title here or there but you know he he held his own hearing really good I thought he really held himself very well in this match, and you're right. I've been one of those guys that hasn't been supporting Baron Corbin since he got called up from NXT, and I really wasn't even a big fan of his when he was down in NXT. I don't, I just don't think he has. He doesn't have the personality, the whole lone wolf thing. The fact that he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal this year still bothers me. But well, I think his like entrance is really unique because they've got those like different like kind of spotlights that showcase him and I think it helps the character in general because he's the lone wolf you got the spotlight and they got the spotlights that go from white to red and then it's like it's almost like he goes from having the spotlight on him to he's got a spotlight of rage right so I think it feeds into that it he he is the lone wolf and he just attacks I, and that fed into this storyline where AJ Styles was telling Baron Corbin, "Hey, get on him, get on him." And Corbin's like, "Get the hell out of my face. I know what the hell I'm doing. Leave me alone." And ultimately, it was AJ Styles attacking Baron Corbin that cost well, the no, he, the match. Well, he he yeah he ended up uh, kicking Baron Corbin in the face. Right, so that's what cost Dean Ambrose the match. Then you know Dean Ambrose still had dirty deeds on Baron Corbin after the match was over. People were cheering. AJ Styles was going for the phenomenal forearm. Dean Ambrose came in, hit him on the ropes. He dropped on the ropes, and now poor AJ Styles will never have another child for the rest of his life. He he already has three kids, and he's probably still hanging on the ropes. Yeah, the last time I checked, he's still on the ropes. Uh, almost as long as Curtis Axel's been in the. What do what you what are you jumping the gun for? Hey, I, I'm, do you, I'm do you, just do you saying. Wanna, do you want to do it right now? Do you do you want this to be that moment right now? We could talk about the fact that for 587 days, Curtis Axel is still in the 2015 Royal Rumble, and for five days now. AJ Styles is still on that rope. Still not as impressive with 587 days in the Royal Rumble. That's 
Uh, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm having fun with that. So, uh, I think overall they did a great job with SmackDown. Raw was the better show this week. Uh, good stuff. So, what do you think, Jay? Should we go over to do NXT real quick? Let's do a quick NXT rundown. So uh, NXT, like uh, y- you know, they're they're kind of putting together uh, storylines going forward, and it seems like uh, Bobby Roode and Austin Aries have kind of like switched off. Yeah, I think it was interesting that Austin Aries was going after No Way Jose, and then Bobby Roode was feuding with uh, Andrade, Cien, whatever the oh, frick his name is. Yeah. And now it's kind of like after uh, NXT takeover in Brooklyn, it's like well. Screw it. Let's just switch who we're fighting. I'll fight Andretti, and you fight No Way Jose. I'm just curious if uh, if Bobby Roode was like, No Way Jose. Come on. Come on. I know. I'm kind of mailing it in this week. So, uh, have 47 shots of uh, fireball in a night, and then call me. And then, uh, then watch uh, Braun Strowman. How many times have you watched that James Ellsworth match? You know what's kind of funny? I actually watched that match on Friday. So now I have officially... How many times? It's officially been 5,000 now. Oh, good. I actually hit the 5,000 mark. Like, the views are like 5,126. And I'm like, damn, 126 other people watched this match? So, <laughs> you, you, you had those two uh, things go on. They, they moved those storylines uh, along... I've always been a big fan of Aries. Uh, you know, he's done the kind of greatest man that's ever lived gimmick probably for the last three or four years. He did it while he was in TNA. Hey, he, he's good. He's not glorious, though. He's the greatest man that ever lived. No, hell no. I'm the greatest man that's ever lived. Uh, another uh, one match that actually happened on... Uh, T, uh, TNA, I'll be okay. <laughs> On NXT, I'm sorry, we were talking about Austin Aries and Bobby Roode. What else did you think I was going to do? Right. Was they had a women's match between Aaliyah and uh, uh, what's Liv, Liv Morgan? Is that, it? Is that I, right? That, that might be. The, the really cute blonde that you said looks like she was from the 80s or how somebody in 2016 yeah. would play somebody she, in the she, 80s. She looked like something from Back to the hey, Future. Too. I don't care what the hell she looks like she's got a fantastic ass well like you know what they've kind of decimated the women's division of nxt like asuka is like the one woman left they really need to build up that division because like honestly asuka will have the title until she dies no i think warren moon's daughter is going to take the title I, i don't think ember moon is going to win Quite this soon. They oh, no. need she, to she, she build looked good her, in her She looked good in her debut. She beat Billy Kay in her debut. We talked about that last week. But like you said, they really did decimate the uh, the women's division of NXT. When I mean, they, they got rid of ba- Bailey, I mean, it, it really was Bailey and Asuka and Nia Jax, and it seemed like Nia Jax was being built to, you know, eventually be the champion, and then they shipped her off to Raw, which, hey, you know what? Is that like shipping her off to Boston? Uh, no, that that would be shipping up to Boston. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, they were building her up and then kind of called an audible and they're like, oh, no, all right, we're, we're, we're going to put her on Raw. They put 
Bailey on Raw now, and now basically they're left with Asuka, which I love Asuka. She's one of my favorite performers. She doesn't need to say anything. She has like these like crazy looks in her eye, and like in the ring, she is so quick, so good at what she does that. I mean, it does all the talking for her, but there's nobody that looks like a legitimate threat to her right now. Ember Moon is the closest thing to a legitimate threat, but she's had one match on TV. I would say Billy Kay, but Billy Kay got squashed by Ember Moon at NXT TakeOver. So, I mean, Aaliyah got her ass kicked by, I'm pretty sure it was by Asuka. And then you got uh, the the cute blonde there, whatever the hell her name is. Yeah. I I gotta live the gimmick, okay? But, you know, they they need to do something to build up that women's division. Uh, I'm sure they will. Uh, but, you know, even Carmella, Carmella being called up recently, she was not, like, uh, top of the division. But, like, I think Carmella is one of those ones, uh, personality-wise, she is completely ready to be on the roster. I think in the ring, she doesn't... Uh, she doesn't embarrass herself, but she's not where she should be and could be in the ring yet. Alexa Bliss definitely was somebody that they are going to miss down there, too. She's definitely ready in ring and on the mic and on our wedding day. So, But, you know, there have been so many of those that right. they, they've called up. They've needed to call up. There's been plenty of those that are ready for their wedding day with me, really? Yes. Where are these girls? Well, uh, oh, the, well, they they've also hired divorce lawyers because they're going to be future ex-wives. So is it me you're looking for? But you you know, NXT really took a big hit when it came to the women's division, particularly, especially the women's division. But they did lose a lot of people, especially because now that there's talk with the cruiserweight division starting later this month. That there's going to be uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. They're going to be part of the the cruiserweight division on Monday Night Raw. A lot of people are kind of surprised by that. Me being one of them. I really thought those two were going to win the NXT Tag Team Titles from the Revival or Arrival or whatever the hell they're called. Revival. I got it right the first time. Keep I'm drinking. Just, I'm just hey. I'm just being a mark and I'm being an asshole. So, but you know. Uh... I think I think the uh, men's division for NXT is going to be fine. You got Samoa Joe down there still. You got Bobby. He's Ru- recovering from an you, injury too. You've got Austin Aries. You've got Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, you've got Hideo Itami. You've got so many hey, guys. Hey, 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 Hideo Itami, the guy who stole CM Punk's finisher. Sure, that's right. Uh, but they're. There are so many guys who are big stars who are still in NXT where, again, not to oh. be the dead horse, the women's division has Asuka and the kind of, and kind of Ember Moon. The cute blonde is not over. She could be over here. But, you know, they, they just, they, they need to definitely build those women up. They need to put them more prominently on the show. They've only got an hour each week. I enjoy the fact that they've only got an hour, and they don't show everybody every week, so you don't get oversaturated with seeing 
this guy or that guy or this girl or that girl too often, but they need to put them on more often so we become more familiar with them because a lot of these women, I'm like, who the heck is this? I mean, honestly, blue pants probably should come back. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, though, that I think it's Ty Dillinger. He's the perfect 10, right? He is the perfect 10. He's the He was actually a very rare occasion where he was actually a guy who was on NXT two weeks in a row. Because he last week fought one of the Blake and Murphy guys, and and then this week he fought the other one. I really don't remember which one is which. I really don't care which one is which. Never liked them as a tag team. The best part about their tag team was my future ex-wife being a part of it. But he went over on both of them. He, he's one of those guys, he's kind of establishing himself. Ty Dillinger, very, very athletic guy, very talented. I think that he could be one of those guys that maybe down the road can fight Shinsuke Nakamura for the title. Don't see it happening because... Well, the thing is, guys like uh, Samoa Joe and Nakamura, they really belong on the main roster right now. So you need to elevate people. They've got guys like Rude and Aries who they could put up into the like higher levels of NXT but they could you know bring other dudes you know elevate other guys and, and like I think they Dillinger have, they have guys like that they have the Ty Dillingers they have the No Way Jose I love No Way Jose the entrance is fantastic it is I know I've said that after we did our podcast after NXT TakeOver Brooklyn I like No Way Jose he's one of those guys that I find rather entertaining really good in the ring has a bright future could definitely win the Intercontinental title a few times down the road when he gets to the main roster. Same thing with Ty Dillinger. Could be one of those guys, future U.S. champion. A guy who can get some legitimate matches on Raw or SmackDown once he gets the call up. Definitely could see him being a major player down in NXT. Big fan of Ty Dillinger. Very hardworking guy. Very good in the ring. I thought it was good, especially because I thought it was interesting that he was in back-to-back NXT shows. Considering, like you said, they don't do that very often where they have a guy wrestle two weeks in a row unless it's like a Finn Bauer when he was champion or Samoa Joe when he was champion or whoever the champion is. Sure. Also bringing up the champion, Shinsuke Nakamura had a, had a segment at the end of uh, NXT. He cut a promo thanking the fans, saying how great it was that he was NXT champion, how this is the greatest championship that he's ever held until he becomes either universal champion or the world heavyweight champion. Thought it was great. Yeah. Didn't do a lot. Didn't, like you said, oversaturate the show. Love the fact that they ended it with Nakamura. He's the champion. So. Little surprise that, like, Samoa Joe or somebody else didn't come out at the end when he was cutting his promo. But, hey, I thought it was good. Well, and one thing with uh, NXT that they just announced this week, uh, NXT, the next TakeOver show is in uh, Toronto. And it's going to be the weekend of Survivor Series. And uh, I'm looking forward to to having TakeOver in Canada because the Canadian fans are just absolutely rabid up there. Oh, they're awesome up there. Uh, I love the fact that no matter what WWE feeds them, they don't necessarily subscribe to it. One thing, can I, do you think it's possible that if Raw is actually at... Toronto the night after Survivor Series that they'll put Drake in the ring against Braun Strowman? One thing that I... And the, the, just one night only. May, maybe you get some of your uh, Canadian guys 
on to take over to give a rub to some of these uh, guys. Maybe you bring Kevin Owens. Maybe you bring Sami Zayn. Maybe you bring Chris Jericho onto the show and you have them inject themselves into certain matches, again, just to raise the profile of some of these newer guys to elevate them so you don't have to keep a guy like Nakamura and Joe down on NXT to keep that like brand at a certain level. You elevate these other guys. I mean, Bobby Roode is a Canadian too. Maybe, you know, Bobby Roode ends up in the main event. Maybe it's Bobby Roode against Nakamura. I... I don't know. I mean, I think Samoa Joe gets a quote-unquote rematch against Nakamura based on the fact that he lost to him last takeover. But Once his jaw heals after it got broken against Nakamura. But, you know, I think a guy like Bobby Roode really needs to be given a prominent uh, place on this card in a uh, match that feels like it's big. Yeah, I agree. Again... Canadian hero, the crowd will go nuts for him. I wouldn't be against having some of these other guys, like I said, whether it's Jericho or Owens or Zayn, I wouldn't mind having one of them, you know, be a part of it, whether it's like having Zayn in the corner of Nakamura or something along those lines. I can see something like that happening, especially because you want to definitely build up something big for it being in Canada especially with Survivor Series being in Toronto, as well as NXT TakeOver. I can also see them for Survivor Series doing like a Team Canada versus Team USA, where Team Canada comes out on top. Obviously with the Universal Champion being Canadian, then you got Sami Zayn, and then you got the GOAT. Well, honestly, and this is kind of way off topic, Survivor Series, Sami Zayn's last big... Uh, program was against Kevin Owens. Yes. Who came out on top of that program? Sami Zayn. Who's the champion right now? Kevin Owens. Who should be challenging the champion? Chris Jericho. Something like that. Honestly. Braun Strowman, obviously. I, I, I think Sami Zayn against Kevin Owens would be a tremendous event but for Survivor Series. The, the, only, the only thing with that is that, don't you remember Kevin Owens said that after their last match that him and Kevin, or him and Sami Zayn weren't going to be uh, feuding anymore? They say those things, but when you're a heel, what you say is not the truth. Yeah, it might be true. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's a complete aside. Uh, I, I, I'm happy that they're having a takeover in Toronto. Takeover in Toronto. Maybe Braun Strowman can fight the Toronto Raptors mascot instead. That that would be fun. That would be awesome. Because I don't think the man scout up in uh, Survivor Series, although it would be kind of funny, Survivor Series, man scout, always prepared. Well, let me let me flip that a different way. Maybe we go with somebody who's like what the man scout kind of is like a knockoff of, of. Maybe we can have Braun Strowman versus the Mountie. You never know. Maybe the man scout can fight the Quebecers. I love the idea of the Mountie versus Braun Strowman on Survivor Series. I love the idea of the Mountie versus the Man Scout more, but, I mean, that's just neither here nor there. So, NXT, on a whole, uh, you know, they kind of move storylines forward. Again, they need to push the women more prominently for the next few weeks so we 
get more familiar with all these new faces cool. and try to find a, a way to elevate them. It'll be tough to elevate them since you really only have one woman on the roster that's actually over with the audience. But you know what? Rome wasn't built in the day. This uh, women's division won't be rebuilt in the day. But you know what? There are other talented women in the world in, in this division. It'll happen. It'll be fine. Uh, but moving on from that to uh, what has, for the most part, probably been the best hour of actual in-ring wrestling for the week, the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, I would say this week nothing will be what Monday Night Raw was, but if you're talking like strictly in-ring product, uh, how the guys perform in the ring, Cruiserweight Classic, week after week, has absolutely killed it. This week was no exception. You know, you had uh, uh, Tazawa going against Grand Matalik. They had an awesome match, awesome match. And then you had the Brian Kendrick versus uh, kind of the odds-on favorite, uh, Kota Ibushi. Uh, again, both fantastic matches. Both told a really good story in the ring. Honestly, with uh, Tazawa and uh, Grand Metallique, uh the different counters that these guys come up with, it, it, it was just phenomenal. I, like... Some of the different, like, little exchanges that they had uh, in the high spots and the, like, two counts where it was, like, two and nine-tenths. They had so many of them. The crowd was so hyped. I was so hyped into it. And you had the announcers who were freaking spot-on. As this tournament's gone on, like, I thought... Uh, Brian Whitmore or Ronaldo, they were great at the beginning. I think they've actually gotten better as it's gone along because Brian, excuse me, Brian started out not sounding like he just sounded like a fanboy on the mic, but I completely dug how into these matches he was. And now Brian has gotten a his voice has gotten better as far as like professional wise goes, but he's still as excited. And they both, uh, he and Ronaldo, do a great job of telling the story of what's going on in the ring. You know, they talk about, well, this move led to this, and this is why this move was important, which is great why Daniel Bryan is there, because he's very good at, you know, putting the pieces together as far as that goes. And with Mauro Ronaldo, when I've heard him like on SmackDown, there's sometimes where I think he just oversells stuff where I think Mamma Mia when you get him on the Cruiserweight Classic, you hear the crowd and how they're how into the matches that they are, where I think Ronaldo's excitement is more in line with what the cruiserweight classic audience is where sometimes on SmackDown he gets so like excited and hyped up where like for instance on SmackDown this week where like the Dallas crowd was just freaking dead but you have like Mauro Ronaldo acting like you know Jesus came down from the heavens and it's like there's like a little bit of a disconnect where I think Ronaldo works much better with the Cruiserweight Classic because his level of excitement is exactly the level of excitement that the crowd has. Oh, I agree with that. I think they've been a very, very good team together. 
working in the Cruiserweight Classic. Like you said, Daniel Bryan's getting a lot better the more he works. I think he, they're a really good team. I love the fact that they have Corey Graves doing the uh, the little whatever. Yeah, he yeah, does. yeah, yeah. The Cruiserweight Classic, like little uh, the command uh, what center. Are they called? The, the the yeah, the command center newsroom, whatever. He's, and he's fantastic. And he's a heel. And he's not even a heel in it. He's just like, this is great. This is great action. These are great competitors going against each other. I think the three of them are working very well, putting this thing together as a commentating team and as him doing, like, the, the command center type of thing. Like you said, Tazawa and Grand Metalik, awesome match. Two of them looked really good together. Tazawa, I mean, he 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 he, he was just a... Uh freaking man on a mission during this match uh you know like the the different looks on his faces were were just awesome but in the end uh metallic ends up winning uh what the heck's his ending move all all these guys because they're so new i just don't know what their ending maneuver was uh what the heck isn't his kind of like the michinoka driver yes it is uh but they call it the metallic driver (laughs) but like uh you know, you had Tazawa, who is actually known for uh, doing snap German suplexes. Yeah. And he does the snap German suplex in one kind of setup that they had for an awesome near fall. Uh, and what Tazawa has done to finish off opponents is he does the snap German suplex and then he does another version of it where he just grabs the guy and then just slowly throws him back on the back of their head and you know that's how he won against Jack Gallagher and I forget who his first round opponent was but that's how he won against first round opponent too he did that and it was like you know again two and nine tenths the crowd went out of their mind the announcers went out of their mind great near fall and but in the end, Grand Metallic, who has awesome ring gear, is awesome in the ring, ends up going over, gets himself into the final four, into the semis. Great match. Uh, looking forward to his next match. I am definitely looking forward to that because it's obviously going to be the winner of the Kota Ibushi versus the, the Brian Kendrick, Kendrick, who was Daniel Bryan's pick to win the tournament. The, one of the older guys, and they're one of the more experienced guys, somebody who has a background in the WWE, being in the Elite Eight that he was in. You know, I never was a big fan of Brian Kendrick. Never liked him when he was with London and Kendrick. Didn't like him when he was the Brian Kendrick, when he had Ezekiel Jackson. He used to do a stupid little dance to the ring. Was never a fan of him. Boy, has he made me do a complete 180, in my opinion, on him. Brian Kendrick has been very, very entertaining. He's been very good in the ring. I was actually rooting for him to win over Kota Ibushi. Ultimately, at the end, Kota Ibushi did get the better of Brian Kendrick. You saw the emotion at the end of that. Can't take that away from anybody. Brian Kendrick was talking about it. He said it in his promo. This is it for me. I've already done what I could. If I, Once I lose, there's nothing more I can really do. Granted, he's probably going to end up being part of the cruiserweight division and on Monday Night Raw, and believe me, I would love to see Brian Kendrick come back and do that. He's a great addition to that division, if that's the case. Obviously, Kota Ibushi was the favorite heading into this tournament, so the fact that he was able to get over on Brian Kendrick, two of them had an awesome match. 
Don't discount that. They had an awesome match. Was very impressed with them. Did a lot of high flying moves. They had well, you and know they brought strategy into it. I mean, yeah. there was a part where like you know they're really talking about like. Kendrick is kind of overmatched by Ibushi, so Kendrick started doing little things like he tried, you know, putting Ibushi's, like, leg and getting it locked into the guardrail outside to try to get him counted out. Right. Little crap like that where you're like, I'm overmatched, but I'm going to find any way I can to win. So, you know, they really played well off of the fact that he's a veteran. Uh, the The part where he did, like, that neck breaker over like the uh the the what you call it uh the turnbuckle area outside yep. of the ring on the metal oh, awesome bringing move. it again this is talking about how well the announcers are selling the different things going on where abushi has had a neck surgery and you know kendrick being the veteran that he is playing off that ends up giving him a neck breaker over the metal part of the turnbuckle like the thing that holds the turnbuckle in Great storytelling. Storytelling in the ring, storytelling by the guys out of the ring on commentary. Better than David Otonga. Anything's better than David Otonga. I could fart in and be better than David Otonga. But they did a great job <laughs> in the ring. Uh, the guys on commentary brought, the, they sold brought, it. they sold it, they brought it forward, and Cruiserweight Classic every week. If you, I mean, honestly, I would say it, if you watched one hour of programming every week, you will never, never get a bad week on the Cruiserweight Classic. You get bad Raws, you get bad SmackDowns. Uh, rare occasion you get a bad NXT, but like Cruiserweight Classic has lived up to the hype and has been awesome every week. I've been very impressed with every week of the Cruiserweight Classic, like you said. A lot, a lot of good matches. A lot of people... That have just been really impressing me during this run. I thought at the end of it, after Kota Ibushi got the victory over Brian Kendrick, he was in tears. People were cheering for him at the end. Thought it was really good that Daniel Bryan came down from the announced team, came into the ring, hugged out with Brian Kendrick. Thought it was an awesome moment. Another would have been another uh, uh, vote for me as as Mark the Mark Mark moment of the week. It was definitely a candidate. Unfortunately, Kevin Owens kind of just wiped out every candidate after Monday Night Raw this week, but thought it was a great moment. It was great seeing Brian Kendrick and Daniel Bryan, who are friends outside of the Cruiserweight Classic, outside of professional wrestling, have their moment in the ring. I was happy to see it. Not going to lie, got a little choked up myself seeing it. Thought it was great. You know, all in all, this was a really good week for the WWE between Raw and SmackDown. NXT in the Cruiserweight Classic. They did it very well this week. I was very impressed. can say, as a fan of the WWE, it was awesome. Good week overall, and strangely enough, I think NXT was the weakest of the shows. Uh, but you know what? You can't you can't roll a 10 every week and what have you. But you we know what? Show and they were still a 7 out of 10. Yeah, they, they, it was still a solid show. Uh, so, you know, good week for WWE. Looking forward to what they're doing. Honestly, I think the thing I'm most interested in is to hear what Triple H has to say on Raw. But good week. Uh, Looking forward to what's coming from WWE, which I haven't been able to say that a ton probably in the last couple years. Honestly, I think they've built up a good base of things, whether it's been like they built up the tag team division, 
the women's division, they've kind of taken a lot of the guys that we were hoping that they would push forward and push them forward, taking some of the guys who were very prominent for the last decade and kind of not really, like, not made them prominent, but made them less prominent and helped them push guys forward. I agree. So uh, I'm looking forward to what they do coming up, and I'm hoping, hoping, crossing my fingers, that we're going to have, like, a wrestling boom like we had during the Attitude Era. I'm not saying that we're going to have 10 million people a week watching this, but I think they've done so many good things. It seemed like so many years they were kind of focused on getting the WWE Network up and running that they kind of dropped the ball and lost their eye on the prize as far as, like, building up new superstars. Now I think they have their full focus now that the network's up and running and is successful to, you know, really putting out a great product that, you know, they could be proud of. I agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. You hit every point dead on balls on that, Jay. Very impressive what you said. Totally agree. They really wanted to get the network off the ground. Now that it started to be a little bit more established, now they're starting to build up their shows that they're promoting on the network, whether it's the Cruiserweight Classic or NXT, or if it's their new TV show, Holy Foley, or if it's when it comes back, the Edge and Christian show, which I, for the love of God, I hope Please they bring God. back. I enjoy that very much. My favorite show on the network. But, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. The one thing that I am looking forward to the most is not even WWE related. I, Bobby the Brainless, am excited for Final Deletion 2. Delete and decay. Where it's broken Matt Hardy. Hell, that motherfucker's been broken for well over a decade. And now broken Brother Nero. Don't even know who they're going up against. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Final Deletion, the first one, A+. Knocked it out of the park. 9.8 out of 10. And I can't believe I said something that has anything to do with Matt Hardy was a 9.8 out of 10. Usually it's a .8 out of 10 when it comes to Matt Hardy, because that's how I think of him as an in-ring competitor. I'm really excited after they announced it this week that Final Deletion 2 was coming out. God, I must really be drunk. But I, I'm i really excited about that. Honestly, who would have thought that I would be closing out this show on a TNA moment? But hey, weirder shit has happened. And we're fucking Marks. And we're fucking Marks. So, I think on that note, though, Jay, we talked about Monday Night Raw. We talked about Kevin Owens winning the Universal Championship. Talked about SmackDown. Talked about the Cruiserweight Classic. Talked about NXT. And made a little bit of a drop-in on NXT. I think it's time. TNA. Did I call it NXT? You, you called it NXT. We've confused that a couple of times because all uh, the like TNA said, guys in NXT. What do you want from me? You, know, you got NXT guys that are you know former TNA guys, and you got former WWE guys and TNA. You know with Damian yeah. Sandow and Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre and all the other shit bags that couldn't even make it in WWE or now part Matt of Hardy, TNA. Jeff Hardy. Well, Jeff Hardy was actually talented. Matt Hardy is about as talented as my freaking like a like a turd I drop in the toilet. Turd, things that King Kong Bundy says. So, uh, on that note, this is a good way to end the end the week. I, I agree with that, Jay. I am Bobby the Brainless. I'm Ja Rule. 
Until next week, you fucking mocks. Thanks for listening.